When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. NLP is a study of how we do things well, and it's a study of communication skills and how you manage your moods and how you communicate better with other people and yourselves. And on the days that I didn't have any fun, my energy levels were down 22%. And I was like, wow, it's, you know, it's important to go to the park and throw a frisbee around every once in a while. Hey folks, Mark Devine from the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Super stoked to have you uh, have you here with us on this crazy journey. Before I introduce today's guest, who I'm pretty stoked to be talking to, Tony Wrighton from the United Kingdom, please go rate us on iTunes. For you know about a year that I did this podcast, I never asked because I didn't know to ask. You know, I'm kind of a caveman at this stuff, but my team finally said, hey, you know what? We better start rating. So if you like what we're doing, go rate us so we can kind of, um, when, when people search for Tim Ferriss, then Mark Devine shows up. And also get on our email list at unbeatablemind.com slash podcast. So I'm t- totally stoked to have Tony. I just met Tony, talked to him a little bit before signing on here. Tony is from the United Kingdom, so I asked him if you know the sun came up today because we're right in the thick of uh, UK leaving the EU. Uh, he, he assured me that it did, so everything's okay. Tony's a host of a, uh, a top-rated podcast called Zestology. He's written several books, which I'm you know, really interested in, in learning about. Relax in a minute, persuade in a minute, and confidence in a minute. So clearly, Tony gets a lot done in a minute. He, uh, he works for Sky Sports Network. Or Sky Sports. I do some things in longer than a minute. Do you? <laughs> That's refreshing to hear. And also, I'm really anxious to talk to you about neuro-linguistic programming. So Tony's an expert on that. So Tony, super uh, glad to have you here. I know it's late over there in the UK. I think you're about nine hours um, ahead of us. But how are things going over there? Mark, it's great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of yours as well. So just, um, yeah, thrilled to be on the show and um, to talk to you. Cool. So UK pulled out of the EU in a minute. And uh, <laughs> let's start there. Like, what the hell is going on over there? You know, uh, it's, it's just, simple, just crazy. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's been politically the most seismic week in my life, I think. And I mean, it's funny because often, you know, I, I think younger generations are, are accused of not caring about politics. But this is one of those ones where everyone's got an opinion. Right. I'm here in London where you know, a majority of people wanted to stay in the European Union. Sure. So did I. Uh-huh. And uh, I have to say that, you know, people are very upset. And there's no trying to change people's mind either because you go out to someone and if they've made their mind that they want to leave the EU and you want to remain, you can't change their mind and an yeah. almighty argument will probably ensue. So people are very, <laughs> feeling very passionate about it, but passions are running high as well. And right. actually, it's, it's, I think it's a sad, personally, I think it's a sad state of affairs, what we've come up with. But um, yeah. yeah, there you go. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that the EU couldn't have evolved to meet the needs of 
you know, the cultural needs of, of the member states. And, and I think that's what, you know, from my perspective, the backlash is largely about that, that elitist, you know, centralization and bureaucratic or technocratic arrogance, which, you know, we saw coming out of Brussels and not, you know, really giving any quarter when it came to the needs of the, of the people. And the, and so mm. the people, right, the people on, on the leave side of the camp are basically saying, you know, screw it, we're not getting our needs met. This isn't good for us. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of contentious um, yeah. claims on, you know, I mean, the, the, the principal claim of the campaign to leave the EU, they drove around in a bus saying, okay. we, if we leave, we'll have £350 million a week, which we'll take back from the EU and we can spend on our health service instead, <laughs> right. which yeah, sounds like pretty good, happen, right? right? £350 million a week. And then the day after the vote, they were like, yeah, that might not happen. <laughs> um, right. So everyone's like, "Really? That's what we voted for?" But wasn't but it mainly I mean, about immigration and the you know self or just autonomy, the, the ability to decide mm. who, who you want in your country and who you don't want? Isn't that what the the Leave camp was so passionate about? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's funny because you know, as a country, Great Britain has invaded most other countries in the world <laughs> over the course of its oh, lifetime. And now we're worried about immigrants coming here. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we've not got great form when it comes to invading and colonizing. I mean, the Commonwealth was, yeah, pretty massive. But, yeah. um, I mean, on, on a more serious note, you know, you have to look at the history of – I love reading about history and also um, historical fiction. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the history of Europe, We've been pretty much at war with each other for the last 1,000 years. Yeah. And, you know, from, from Caesar to Genghis Khan to the First and Second World Wars. And then you look at the last 60 or 70 years, we live in so much prosperity in Europe now. And there, there have been, you know, it hasn't all been peace. But in general terms, we have a very comfortable, safe life. Yeah. And yeah, so I would be inclined to say, let's have more of that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and the, the notion of a united Europe that was you know, working in harmony in, uh, in an economic union and a political union was very, very solid. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue to remain with some adjustments, right? And this is just a huge wake-up call. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it does seem unfathomable to slide back into, you know, just a hundred warring states. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just can't, I just can't imagine that. Oh, know? I know. Tell me about it. It's scary, right? You know, um, it's interesting because you mentioned briefly NLP earlier on, neuro-linguistic programming, right. which is my background. And a lot of NLP focuses on language, how right. we express ourselves, how right. we communicate with ourselves and other people. And I kind of had a problem with the language of this campaign right from the start for two reasons. Firstly, we were asked to vote between two choices, leave mm -hmm. and remain. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to people, when you're in really enthusiastic about something, you don't remain you stay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You don't stay at a, you don't remain at a party. You stay at a party. So that was my kind of first problem with the, with the language of what we were voting for. And then the second thing is the, the term that everyone has used to describe what Britain is about to do is Brexit. Are you right. guys using that term over there as well? Brexit. Yeah. It's all over the place. Brexit, now, yeah. You know, if you, it's very hard not to think of something when you're using the exact word in it. So if you ask a three year old not to think of a blue elephant, or not to not to you know blow on the straw in the milkshake. They're going to do exactly that, right? Of course. And it's, it's the same with us. You know, when you think of Brexit, you have to think of exit. exit. 
Um, so uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be when Britain actually stays in the EU. Um, Brinit would have been better. <laughs> is, <laughs> um, is, but, is Britain a term, to, a collective term for England, Scotland, and Northern Ireland? Yeah. Uh, yes, and Wales. Yeah. and Wales. Yeah, and yeah, Wales, the, yeah, right. okay. exactly. Yeah, okay. and the United, yeah, the United Kingdom, Great Britain. So, I mean, it's it's funny because you know we don't necessarily identify with ourselves as British. Sometimes, sometimes we might think of ourselves as English rather right. than British. And certainly, you know, England played Wales at football the other day, and the, the country stopped. And you can <laughs> guarantee that the, the Welsh do not want the English to do well at football and vice versa. Right. So, so it's funny, the, the, the divisions as well as, you know, kind of yeah, thing. I, I understand the Scottish went over to meet with the, you know, the powers that be in the EU and they were shunned because the Scotland's like, well, we, we, we wanted to stay in the union. So let's talk. And there's, Oh, Mark, well, you're opening up a matter. whole different cat, can, 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 <laughs> yeah, can of worms there. Um, no, no. because of course we had another referendum a couple of years ago on whether, on whether Scotland should leave the country and um, be its own independent state. And they voted by 55 to 45 to stay. Right. But now they're saying, hang on, maybe we made the wrong decision there and we should have another referendum. Mm-hmm. So maybe the solution is not to have referendums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but, uh, if, yeah. you, if we were to like really kind of take it from a thousand mile view, it, it seems like the forces of globalization right, have been mounting and pressing you know, forward, largely driven by technology and by embraced by the industrial age, you know, technocratic class, which is basically, mm. who's, you know, what, what are commonly called the elite, right? But, yeah. And so the, there's nat- naturally anything that gets, you know, a little bit um, out of people's control or out of balance, there's a, there's a backlash. And so there's a current kind of compensatory backlash, you know, which we'll call anti-globalization. Mm. And so what's happening in the United States with, you know, with Donald Trump's popularity oh, yeah. and what happened with Brexit are, are kind of like this backlash of anti-globalization saying, hey, wait, it's also important for us to you know, maintain our cultural identity. And we don't want to be just one color, one language, one blah, flatland, you know, race. Uh, we really like being Scottish and English and, you know what I mean, Texan. <laughs> <laughs> we want to stay that way. <laughs> we want to stay that way. So there's, yeah, got, there's yeah. got to be some middle ground. And I think that's what's, you know, what's happening is, that, you know, ultimately the, the middle ground is often fought for. And, and that's what mm. obviously the fear is over there. It's going to go back to bloodshed to find the middle ground. When I, my you know, unbeatable mind tells me, no, that's not going to happen. We're, we're beyond that. But, you know, I could be pretty ignorant and optimistic. Well, I, I hope you are. I hope your your optimism proves to be founded. Um, certainly, you know, I mean, I think that the thing is 52% voted for something that a lot of us here in London were very surprised about. Mm-hmm. But that perhaps shows the level of disaffection and disillusionment and perhaps abandonment, in, certainly in certain parts of this country, which has to be addressed as well, well yeah, in I, terms of equality in this age of globalization. And it also shows how we have, you know, kind of segregated ourselves into our little silos of, of information and people and you don't connect or intersect with this other group over there. And so you have, you know, outright surprise that people don't share the same view. And that's, that's exactly what's happening in the United States, why there's so much vitriol against Donald Trump and, and, and you know, just stunningness around his, you know, nomination, you know, for the Republican. Yeah, president. yeah. Because people, well, the people me- on the other side just don't intersect at all with the people who are interested with Trump because they've got their own social media channels and their own news outlets. And there's so much differentiation and so much information opportunity, let's call it, 
that people have kind of like segregated themselves into almost different camps that are not geographic boundaries, although there are some, like you you said, London is a geographic boundary and, mm. and people tend to concentrate there as, you know, with New York and, uh, you know, L.A. But these boundaries are, are really founded by internet and information and which yeah. has created a whole new kind of way of separating people, even though it was meant to drive to make people connected. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And I mean, let, let this be a lesson to everyone who's worried about Trump in the US because, um, <laughs> because you know, on the night of the results, I was kind of sitting in front of the TV and no one thought the campaign to leave the European Union had enough traction, enough supporters to actually go through. And, that, you know, I watched the first results come through and I thought, hang on, that's a little bit closer than what was expected. <laughs> um, and, as, and as the evening panned out, obviously the whole thing was closer than expected and in the end yeah. it was too close. And for all those who think, you know, Trump might well be able to get the Republican nomination, but he can't actually make an impact on the kind of main election. Probably, I don't know. You know, I mean, and that's, that's you know, people are saying that. That's that's like saying, that's like you saying that, that that Brexit could never happen. You know what I mean? I I happen to agree with you. I think they're saying you've got about a twenty percent chance right now, and who knows what the heck would happen if he, you know, if he got in, but. You know, never know, right? So, yeah, I, I think I think there's also an interesting thing around energy in terms of campaigns as right. well. And sometimes when someone is very popular or very unpopular, and you, right. you might say that about Trump, the people who like Trump love him, and the people who dislike him really hate him, right? <laughs> right. When there's a lot of energy around one person, it's almost like the law of attraction manifests itself into that person winning the contest. And I felt that the last time that happened was George W. Bush. You know, there was so much energy around this guy, positive and negative, that it almost, it it was almost inevitable that he was dragged towards winning that race in the end. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel that happened with the, with the Brexit campaign here. And I hope that doesn't personally speaking, we, we all hope it doesn't happen with, with Trump in the UK. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Obama got a standing ovation in Canada uh, yesterday, and they were they were calling for four more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me why that can't happen. I, I'm still trying to work out why the American Constitution doesn't allow that. <laughs> well, it's, it's called term limits, and we're pretty happy about it, actually. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the yeah, president's yeah. limited to eight years, uh, Senate to six years. Actually, no, I don't think that's right. Now, there's no term limits. I don't think in the Congress and Senate all there there should be, but the, there are with the uh, presidents. Mm-hmm. So, so in theory, we could have a prime minister minister for 40 years if we wanted it here yeah but you guys last about 18 months so i don't think you're i don't think that's an issue over there is it well yeah it depends i mean sometimes yeah i guess blair was over 10 years was he and okay thatcher was 12 years i think but um yeah in general it can be kind of short or long but it's it's much more kind of set in stone yep you get four years or eight years in america right and yeah that's a good good political chat list. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, you mentioned uh, the, the energy of a candidate, and, and you said something yeah. to me that um, what what kind of led you to your current journey uh, from from being a TV guy to you know writing books and getting into NLP was your need mm. for energy, for more energy. Can you uh, yeah. explain your journey and kind of let us uh, help us know Tony a little bit better? Yeah, sure. So my kind of day job here in the UK is I'm a, a TV presenter on a sports channel called Sky Sports. And um, on the side, I've been kind of you know, writing books and doing the, the neuro-linguistic programming for 12 years. Um, 
And a few years ago, I went on holiday to the jungle in Asia, in the Philippines, mm. to a, a beautiful retreat in the middle of nowhere. Nothing more to worry about in the morning than the sounds of the birds chirruping outside one's log cabin and whether to do a little bit of yoga or Pilates or just chill and soak up the sunshine. You know, a fa- fabulous place just to I retreat. I think I patrolled by that place when I was in the SEAL teams. Canada, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, was, I spent yeah. six months in the Philippines, but I was not sipping Mai Tais on the beach. Yeah, well, I mean, you know about, you know, what a beautiful scenery it is, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, yeah, if you're not patrolling, which, which is, by the way, is my idea of hell. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you're not doing that, but if, yeah, if you're sitting with a Mai Tai, it's, it's a nice place. Unfortunately, it wasn't for me okay. because I woke up one morning and I'd, uh, I had some pretty heavy symptoms. I had numb patches on my face. I felt uh, completely tired and whacked out. I had a rash on my leg. Uh-oh. And, you know, the first thing is when you, get, when you get numb patches on your face, you get tested for some pretty serious neurological complaints. Right. And thankfully, I didn't have that. But I had contracted some kind of tropical virus. Hmm. Um, I went to the doctor, flew straight home, middle of the holiday, flew home and went to the doctor. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, you've got a tropical virus. And I kind of clapped my hands and I said, great, what is it? And they said, yeah, we're not really sure. <laughs> it's a tropical virus. We just told tropical you. Tropical <laughs> virus. But also, I mean, this is another thing that you might know about from having spent time in Asia. Turns out there's a lot of diseases and viruses, especially in the more exotic parts of the world, that modern medicine just hasn't discovered yet. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who passed away from one of them. He contracted down in Panama. It's really sad. And wow. And they, they really just right? had no idea what it was, and it just yeah. tore them up. My goodness. And that makes me feel so lucky by comparison. Right. So they never did know. But I ended up having three months off work, spending the time in bed, feeling very sorry for myself. Couldn't even really walk down the street. Mm. And then after three months or so, I started going back to my job at Sky, who were fantastic and held open the job and said, you know, take as long as you need. But I started kind of going back one day a week and then two days a week and just taking it very gently. And at my kind of darkest hour, I thought, well, if I do get back to full fitness, it'd be great to combine the skills of NLP and the stuff I did before with a podcast that just looks at energy because I don't have any of it at the moment. Mm. And having spent a lot of time consulting Dr. Google, (laughs) I know how many other people are out there in the same boat as me who would also appreciate some help and advice on this. Mm -hmm. So did, Mm. did you recover from it or do you just have to manage it still? Yeah, I did. And, and, you know, I mean, life is different now. I live a much healthier life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been fascinated listening to you talk about yoga because yoga has been a big part of my journey oh, of recovery, actually. Yeah. And just, you know, damping down the sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. and chill out, chilling out a lot more or chillaxing, mm-hmm. as we say here in the UK. Yeah, chillaxing. <laughs> chillaxing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't come very naturally to me. I'm a, I'm probably a type A high achiever. Mm-hmm. And I don't always think that that's actually very helpful for me. I don't necessarily class that as, as successful a lot of the time because my instinct is to carry on working and doing more and creating and achieving when I should just be doing less and relaxing. Mm. So, yeah, yoga has been a definite part of the journey. And, and, and now, yeah, life is different, but feeling good. Yeah. That's awesome. So mm. <clears throat> I want to come back to yoga and, uh, and language and your books, but – I think it would be useful to talk about neuro-linguistic program. I first heard that term yeah. in a Tony Robbins book, I think something called mm. Unlimited Power or Awaken the Giant. I read it when I was like 24, I think, something like that. Yeah. And um, I never really got it. And then later on when I started to do, uh, well, I mean, I was always doing visualization and, and working on my internal dialogue, uh, but I never really got the eye movement thing and I wasn't clear on what NLP was. <laughs> And it seemed like a catch-all for things that I was already doing, but I could be wrong. So 
Help us understand what, what is neuro-linguistic yeah. programming? It's funny that you mentioned the eye movement thing. We can come back to that in a sec. Um, <laughs> Remember he had a little chart with all the different eye movements? and Yeah. yeah. Okay, I might as well start action. with that then. Okay. So basically, NLP is a study of how we do things well. And it's a study of communication skills and how you manage your moods and how you communicate better with other people and yourselves. Okay. And one of the things that the guys who invented NLP worked out is that you could, generally speaking, but not always, when you look at where someone's eyes move, you can tell whether they're telling the truth or lying. (laughs) And it's a good place to start. And when I first learned this stuff, I was going up with this girl who she, there was some kind of lie that she told me about having bought a bottle of wine to bring round to my house, but then she'd lost the bottle of wine on the way there. I mean, some, you know, tiny little fib that really didn't mean much. But because I just, I just learned this stuff. I was like, are you lying? Because I think you are. And, and I rumbled and she was like, yeah, yeah, I am sorry. You know, and I was like, wow, maybe this stuff works. Um, so the idea is that when you look at someone, if they look to the right, when they're talking to you, they are telling the truth. They are remembering something. So you can remember it this way, right and remembered. Mm-hmm. And if they look to the left, then they're constructing something. Okay. So if they look upwards into the left, they're constructing someone visual. They look upwards into the side, they're constructing something or um, auditory. And, uh, and if you look, if you're looking downwards, you are accessing feelings and thoughts. So that's the, that's the basic premise. It works for about 90% of people around 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not something I use on a day-to-day basis, but it's always something that people are interested in. Oh, I can find out if, if my partner's lying to me. Tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why in the SEALs we developed the thousand-mile stare so that if we ever had to you know, <laughs> do a polygraph, you know, they couldn't tell. Now, what's the, what's the thousand-mile stare? Well, it's just the ability to maintain a, uh, a really focused state without shifting your eyes anywhere. And, right. and interestingly enough, um, what people don't realize about thousand miles, it's not like it's, it's not taught. It's just something that, that uh, spec ops guys develop is that yeah. your eye, you can shift very quickly between what I call focus and relaxed gaze. So focus is like, I'm staring intently at you, you know, like laser beam yeah. and relax is my, you know, my pupils kind of dilate and I go broad, like, like uh, almost using peripheral vision at night. And so you tend to be able to take in a lot of information, but, yeah. be, but be able to focus on the right information at the right time. Is there also an, an, an element of when you're in a conflict situation, to be able to kind of project an image right. uh, of kind of inscrutability is, is, a, is sure. a great power and a massive advantage. Is there a case of that? Well, I, I think that's kind of, um, it's either an outcome or, or it, yeah, it's part of this notion of, you're, t- you're absorbing so much information and you're able to focus that you, and you're, and you're clear and you're breathing, you know, of course, all the, all the skills come into this and you're breathing, triggering the par- parasympathetic nervous system that you're, you're in control and you, you right. tend to project leadership control, yeah. um, you know, power and, uh, and then you start to feel it as well. And then of course, yeah, that's, that's where the, that's classic NLP you'll find yeah. the neuro neurophysiology comes in as you start to feel it and believe it. And, and when you practice these skills, like the seals do, then you know you, you become to feel a little bit indomitable because you you are in a sense, but you're not, of course. But it it helps to feel that way when you're going into a yeah. a room with a hell of bullets coming at you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
And, you know, I mean, certainly in NLP terms, you know, I mean, it's called neuro-linguistic programming, but a better title. If it had been invented now, it might have been called neuro-hacking. Right, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think people would understand it a little bit better. And that's sure. exactly the same kind of thing. I mean, you mentioned my first book was Confidence in a Minute. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know, the great thing about confidence is you can fake it and then start to feel it as well as projecting it so the other people will think that you're feeling sure. it too. Yeah. And I told you that I was into reading uh, historical fiction um, about Europe over the last kind of a bit of a geek when it comes to books. But um, yeah, I've read quite a few books about Genghis Khan and they they adopted what they called the cold face. Mm-hmm. So the Mongol warriors would show they'd be delivered news of great importance and great national tra- tragedy and they would adopt the cold face. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds pretty similar to yeah, what you just, guys were doing just, a thousand yeah, years later. No, yeah. no showing no emotion and just yeah. it doesn't mean you're not feeling it but uh, being able to, you know, you don't want to project it to, you know, their tells just like in a poker match. Mm. Interesting. Now, one, one of the other things that I understood and that we practice with regard to NLP, although I don't, we didn't call it that in the SEAL teams, was to find the, the shortest arc in a practical skill like shooting, we call it the shortest arc of success. Mm. Yes. And so to, yeah. to minimize or, or to eliminate all the unnecessary movements and to practice that one, those one or two critical actions that if done well over and over and over, you know, and habituated, those are going to lead to a much higher rate of success. And this is how right. we ended up breaking down how to teach someone to shoot in a very short period of time with a high degree of effectiveness. Mm. And, and sometimes NLP is defined as um, studying how people do things well or doing what works. Mm. And there's a great set of skills within NLP to be able to quite quickly work out how someone does something well, mm-hmm. learning the best bits from what they do and applying that to the skill that you want to learn, yeah. which is something that I often use on my show. Interesting. Hey, if you really want to immerse yourself in the SealFit lifestyle, instead of just attending an event, then the SealFit online program is the great thing to check out. The Elite Plus training will give you the tools you need to keep your performance honed and to amp it up in all of the five mounts, physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and your Kokoro spirit. The program is where you find the daily op-wad, on-ramp-wad, masters-wad, and soft-wad. Great tips on nutrition, recovery, durability, stamina, all the training exercise videos, other tips, and also premium content from myself and the entire SealFit coaching staff. It really is an amazing program. So supercharge your training by making an annual commitment to the SealFit online program, and specifically the Elite Plus. If you do so, we're going to send you a discount code for $200 off any SealFit event. This offer may end at any time. So go to SealFit.com slash commit. That's SealFit.com slash commit. And discover your peak performance through the SealFit online training community. Hoo-yah. So let's talk about language. Um, you mentioned that earlier, how important language is. We were talking about Brexit and, yeah. and you know, the imprinting and the energy of language. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is that part of what you write about in your Persuade in a Minute and your Confidence in a Minute books? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. I mean, we um, write about, um, I write about writing beautifully persuasive emails mm. and uh, raising more for charity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a large part of it. And as I said before, you know, I mean, in very simple terms, if someone thinks, eh, you can't just focus on language to be more persuasive. Think about that, that, that expression, don't think of a blue elephant. Right. You have to think about it, a blue elephant, not to think about it. <laughs> and in the, same, in the same terms, when someone you know is concerned or unhappy about something, to say don't worry 
is quite counterproductive because they will have to think about worrying before they think not to worry. So to try and frame your advice or your positive encouragement in a positive phrase can be massively more helpful. Well, so the the other half of that is accurate. So don't worry, be happy. They should have just said, be happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, be happy. (laughs) Mind you, someone might just say back to you, yeah, but I'm not feeling happy, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, I mean, you know, rather than, Asking some someone to, I mean, another example of if you're if you're a father or a mother and you want your child to say tidy their room, you could just say, "Will you tidy your room?" and they might say yes or no, mm-hmm. or you could give them an option right. of, "Do you want to tidy your room before dinner or after dinner?" Right. <laughs> and um, immediately you're kind of presupposing that the answer is going to be one of those two things called a presupposition. Right. So really, you're presupposing that the answer is going to be yes of some description. And so little things like that, we just work at changing our language and and making ourselves more persuasive. And it's good fun. Yeah, I use that with my 16-year-old all the time. And and straight from a a parenting class we took, you know, like 12 years ago. Oh, really? They they taught you that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, so just the law of contrast there. And so you you just make sure that the one that you want them to to steer them toward is a more attractive option, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's so so many nice ones. There's another thing called a yes set, Mm -hmm. whereby you get someone to agree with two or three statements that are kind of almost incontrovertibly true. Mm -hmm. And then the last one isn't a statement, but it's a question mark. So it might be something like, Oh, it was so sunny today, wasn't it? And the answer would be, yeah. And you know, and that event we went to was packed out with people. I'd be like, yeah. And it was great you stayed until eight o'clock. They'd be like, yeah. And then you say, did you have a good time? And they're, they're kind of, they're in that yes set. So they're right. saying yes again and again, and they're more likely to say yes. And it's funny, I always notice if I'm speaking to someone in customer services or something, uh-huh. I, I don't want to ask them a question to which the answers are going to be no initially, right. because I know I have noticed that when I ask them the, the big request, the answer is more likely to be no. It's fascinating how, hmm. how we get into a habit. It's almost like as human beings, we adopt kind of mechanisms for survival, which means that we get into a habit of saying yes or no on a kind of continual basis. So that's what I call yes man, which was in um, mm-hmm. which was uh, inspired by the by the Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but it's really a yes set, as we call it. So we, uh, you ask lots of questions to which the answer is yes, and then you put a statement at the end to which you also want them to say yes. Right. I mean, the, the, the power of language is related to the power of positive thinking. You know, Norman Vincent Peale, right, and, and Napoleon yeah. Hill and all those early advocates of it. In fact, uh, you know, I just wrote a little bit of a blog post on Based, uh, triggered by a book I read called One Simple Idea, which is how this, right. this whole idea of positive thinking and positive mindset is, uh, this guy, the author, uh, calls it the American creed. It's pretty interesting. So, so that's internal dialogue. And what you're suggesting is that the internal dialogue and the external dialogue are both important. And that makes sense. And my question to you, since you spend so much time thinking about this stuff, is, is there research to validate that both internal and external languaging whether positive or negative, have an impact? Or is it just a you know, subjective theory here still? Yeah, I mean, well then, because actually then you're moving into hypnosis a bit more. Mm, okay. um, and I think there's been, there's been absolutely loads of studies on hypnosis. And hypnosis is a large part of what we do with NLP. And personally speaking, the first kind of 
the first content that I started to produce once I got into NLP was I worked at a radio station at a time and I was like, oh, I tell you, what, I could come in in the evening and I could use the radio station studio and I could just record a couple of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So I started recording audiobooks and selling them on iTunes. And, and funnily enough, those were actually more popular than the books because people <laughs> like listening to stuff. And especially if you put a bit of hypnotic language in there as well and even use some hypnosis, if you do it right, it's very effective. Now, there's been a lot of studies in, on hypnosis, and I'm presuming with your background, you probably used quite a bit of hypnosis, didn't you? I, I don't know. I've never been trained in hypnosis. Uh, no? Uh, but I, but I mean, I feel like there's so much around mindset when right. you're a Navy SEAL. You know, you've got to have the right mindset. So, so what kind of psychological techniques do they work on at that kind of deep unconscious level? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I don't, I never felt like I was hypnotized by my buds instructors. It was actually quite the opposite. You know? Yeah, I was yeah. terrorized. <laughs> okay, um, right. But, but I think, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think, you know, to make the distinction again between internal and external, you know, the internal. Let me let me talk about my big the big four skills that I teach as a practice. You know, the breath control helps us calm. You know, the body mind system which then allows you to have the um, internal space to mentally uh, take control of your dialogue and in that mental space to be able to say a mantra, right? And so my, my positive yeah. mantra was a feeling good, looking good ought to be in Hollywood. And I would say it over and over and over <laughs> while, yeah. while doing some other kind of routine tasks, like, you know, routine for us was running 14 right. miles or swimming five yeah. miles or something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I knew how to swim. So it wasn't, I, I didn't need to like perform complex algorithm in my mind. I could literally just kick stroke and glide and say over and over, I'm feeling good, looking good ought to be in Hollywood and kind of visualize myself, you know, uh, relaxed and, in, and getting it done, you know what I mean? And uh, and then the, the force, so those are three of the skills, breath, uh, positive internal dialogue, mm. uh, and imagery. And then the fourth is just micro tasks, micro goals, right? And so I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to do this for 100 strokes, you know, and then I'll, I'll see where I'm at, you know? And then when I get to 100, I'm like, okay, that was good. Now I'm going to do it for another 100. At any rate, it that is like hypnotizing myself. And it totally is. And then, yeah. and then what happens is time starts to change and shift and, you know, uh, were you uh, saying that stuff out loud or to yourself? No, to myself. You would, it was, would look pretty weird if anyone had seen you do it out well, loud. Well, in the ocean, yeah. only, only the sharks would be hearing me anyways. And I didn't want to alert them in my presence. So, you know, it was more of an internal thing, but it, you know, I yeah. kept that practice up. And then what I found is it was, it's extraordinarily powerful in many, many different settings to, to really just reset your internal state. And I imagine that and we use it as with as language in our seal fit programs meaning we we language like that to get other people to begin to do it internally because you want it to be a an owned skill you don't want to have to you know we're not talking about manipulation here or hypnotizing people we want people to take yeah. control of their own lives oh, absolutely but i mean the, the definition of a trance is any altered state right. and you know i mean whether you call it meditation or trance, or prayer, or yoga, or whatever it is, any altered state is the same thing. And when and when that happens, the unconscious mind can start to open up and change the way it thinks at a, right. at a deep unconscious level. And that's exactly what you were doing right. by going into that kind of trance state. And when you combine it with breath work as well, is even more powerful. Right. No doubt. Yeah. So um, some tips from your uh, Relax in a Minute book. Any ideas? What, what could you share some of your uh, thoughts on how to relax. Yeah. Because people are, people are really stressed out these days. You know, they're just running here and there and they've got too many commitments and I recommend doing yoga, but yeah. even that can stress people out just thinking about going to an hour long yoga class. So. Yeah, that's true. 
Now, well, one of the things that just sprung to mind when you were talking about your mantra that you were repeating when you were rowing and only the sharks heard you <laughs> um, is, um, I mean, that goes back to the first person who looked, that's really an affirmation, right? right. So you're repeating an affirmation over and over right. again. And the first person to look into affirmations was a crazy 18th century French professor called Emile Coué, who worked in a, um, in a mental hospital. Sure. And he encouraged all his patients to walk around the grounds and say out loud every day, in every way, right. I'm feeling better and better. I love that. Um, and that's, and that's it's actually very similar to what you were doing, you know. Right. Right. And, then, and they've worked out that affirmations can work even better at an unconscious level when you switch off and think about something else. So these guys were walking around, you were rowing. But unfortunately, in the 21st century, if you walk down the street in London or in America and you're saying, every day, in every way, I'm feeling better <laughs> and better, people are going to look at you like you really are a bit weird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And so I kind of adapted this process to help with relaxation or motivation or whatever it want you, you want to do to another process which we start off using consciously, but then we use unconscious. And my idea is that you change all your passwords to your affirmation. Hmm. Okay, so you want to feel more relaxed. You might write, your password might be meditate 2016, which reminds you to meditate every day. Or it might be just as simple as I am relaxed. Yeah. Or it might be stay in the union. It might well be. <laughs> Mine won't be leave the union. That's what's But the idea is once you start using, once you change all your passwords, you're thinking about it at a conscious level, right? So you're thinking, okay, now I know that meditation is a goal for this year and I know that I want to do more meditation or you know, more of Mark's yoga um, course or where, whatever it might be. And then after a while, you know what it's like with passwords? After a while, you type it in unconsciously. You just, your fingers just go to the right place on the keyboard and you just type it in and it barely registers consciously. But at the unconscious level, you're still registering it. So that's kind of using the skills of NLP mm -hmm. and hypnosis and conscious, unconscious mind to start encouraging you to use the practices more often that help you to be more relaxed, which I just think is kind of awesome tinkering with the way that our brain works. It's good yeah. neurohacking, if you like. Neurohacking, yeah. I love yeah. that. Have you looked into nootropics at all and you know, trying to do some actual hacking with, yeah. with supplementation? Yeah, well, I am a massive supplement taker and hacker, mm -hmm. but in terms of nootropics, not really, because I like to take the natural stuff. Mm -hmm. So not, I've not got involved at all with substances that aren't natural. Yeah, there, uh, but there's a whole new class of natural nootropics coming on the market. You haven't seen any of those, have you? Or no, I haven't. Some no. You have. well, that, that, no, I haven't. And, and I'd be really be very interested in that. Yeah, let's let's take that up at a future point. I just met with some guys yesterday that have a fascinating product. It's uh, called Qualia, and the ingredients are quite stunning. You know, you could Google it, but um, it sounds like something that I saw in the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> was that quaaludes that was quaaludes yeah, no. it didn't work out so well for him <laughs> the name so. might be a little suspect but it actually comes from the root of you know quality and, and oh it sounds amazing that, i want to try that, that word quality is awesome because you know essentially when we're talking about states of experience we're talking about quality mm. um you remember zen in the art piercing's book zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance no, I've heard of it. I've never read oh, it. God, you should pick that up. It's just such yeah. a such a classic. Is it? And, yeah, and this guy, you know, goes on this this motorcycle tour with his son who has a, a mental disease, and it turns out, you know, they both kind of have this this issue, you know, because it's hereditary, and it's about this fascinating journey into into Zen and states of mind, and um, he kind of 
uh, talks about the word quality as being that the razor edge of experience, like a train just just hurtling down. Let's say you're you're the train, you're hurtling down mm-hmm. a track, and your experience is that bleeding edge where the air is you know is just cascading off the front of the train. That's quality, and so so this notion of the quality of your life isn't so much as you know, hey, I've got you know a nice car and I live in the suburbs and. You know what I mean? I'm married and I've got whatever, white pick offense. It is mm-hmm. what is that experience at the razor edge of awareness in the present moment, you know, as you hurdle through this thing called life. Mm. And the idea of nootropics, I guess, is that you can sharpen that experience by improving, you know, the synaptical interfaces and you know, the yes. internal quality of what's going on at a, at a neurobiological level. And, and that's why that it is fascinating because actually that's why I love doing these podcasts and I love broadcasting here in the UK because you know when you're when you're live broadcasting you've got to be right at the top of your game and it kind of <laughs> yanks you firmly into the present for sure which actually in this day and age you know I heard you talking on another podcast about how there's so many things that kind of drag us away from the from the present moment mm-hmm. and particularly in terms of the technology that is designed to be as distracting Absolutely. and amazingly kind of distorting of our reality sure. as possible so anything that gets you back into the present and and if there's a supplement that can help to sharpen your focus then yeah. that's great and, and you know natural, uh, right? you mentioned research earlier in this podcast it's always nice when there's a bit of long-term research and most of these new topics don't tend to have any Correct. long-term research but Correct. um that's not to say i'm not against it but i'm i like to you know take my time before plunging into these yeah. these different yeah i agree you know for me yeah. i'm a little bit more of an experimenter um not not with anything synthetic, obviously. I've never done anything like that, but uh with supplementations and you know, yeah. trying new things. And I and I know that there's some things, Tony, that they, that science can't study, right? You know, it's like the effect right. of visualization or the effect of affirmations. How are you gonna study that, you know, yeah. with a, with a with a device? Um it's it's yeah. impossible. So Well and, and sometimes it's not worth trying to prove everything with science because right. you know there are some things that you simply as you say you simply can't explain but they make you feel good i mean you can't you know you can't do you, you can probably try to research love <laughs> but right. you can't rationalize it can you you know and that's the most important thing of all good point i mean everyone would want to love if there was a scientific experiment that said it was good for you <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true you know <clears throat> no doubt yeah fascinating all right so Tell me, you know, we're kind of got to wind up here pretty soon, but tell me what, you know, you mentioned yoga. What are your like rituals and routines to maintain your presence and to maintain health and, you know, optimism and, you know, a positive uh, momentum in life? Yeah. Well, one of them is, you know, we mentioned technology mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that I've done, I, I track a lot. So, you know, I, 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 keep spreadsheets and, Mm. you know, track stuff absolutely that I've done in terms of, you know, what behavior I've done on a certain day, but then subjective things like what was my energy level out of 10 on that day, for example. Quantitative self type. Exactly. Quantified self. Yeah. And, um, comes up with some, you know, fascinating results. Unfortunately, I'm not very good with numbers. So I've got these big, long spreadsheets full of numbers. (laughs) I don't know how to analyze them and I have to pay someone (laughs) to take them away and find the results. Dave Asprey will analyze them for you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Unfortunately, his hourly rate is a little bit high for me but um, anyway it came up with some fascinating results and one of the things I do on a day-to-day basis is I switch all technology off for at least two hours 
And I just try to get back to the doing the things that I love doing. Because let's face it, most of our favorite things in this world don't involve technology. So I started tracking for how many hours a day I'd, I'd switched my phone off and my technology off and what impact that had on my energy levels. And I found out that on the days that I switched off for more than two hours, my energy levels were up significantly. On the days I switched off for more than eight hours, my energy levels were up 20%. Hmm. Now, obviously, it's not practical most for most of us most of the time to switch technology off for eight hours. But just think, when you do, you have 20, you might, I do, have 20% more energy on a particular day. Mm-hmm. That's enough encouragement for me to switch off as much as possible wherever possible. Right. And when you say switch off technology, does that include your laptop if you're working on a project or something yeah. like that? Okay. The, I class it as connectivity, so anything that's connected, Got because it. that's where I – that's my weakness. Mm. You know, if I, open up, if I open up Facebook to check a quick message – Half an hour later, I'm down the rabbit hole looking at pictures of my friend's best friend's <laughs> mother's son's dog. Right. And why am I doing this, you know? So I just class it as connectivity. And, you know, getting back to kind of all the kind of primal stuff that we like to do. Well, yeah, so that's, that's something that the tracking has shown me impact on my energy levels. And, and obviously, you just mentioned yoga a few minutes ago. Um, I tracked yoga and the impact that had on my energy levels as well. And my, on the days that I do yoga, my energy levels are up about 5.1%. So it's great. You know, you actually get the stats and the facts to say, okay, on those days, my energy level has improved. Mm -hmm. There was one thing, by the way, that it resulted in it when I didn't do it on a particular day in a decrease in my energy levels of 22 percent, I think. Hmm. Can you think what that might be? (laughs) Uh, Brexit day. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) It's I tell you what it is. I tracked the amount of fun I had on a particular day. And the reason I did this is because I read this book called Play by Charlie Hone. And he talks about the importance of you know, getting back to, the, to a sense of fun and adventure and playing every day. And on the days that I didn't have any fun, my energy levels were down 22%. And I was like, wow, it's, you know, it's important to go to the park and throw a frisbee around every once in a while. So that, that was interesting to me as well, you know, just in terms of, the way that a lot of us live on a day-to-day basis is get up, go to work, grind, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, but not prioritize having fun. Yeah. So that's what I started to do more after looking at those results, which I paid a fortune for, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I totally concur with those, that statistically relevant study that you did on yourself. You know, in fact, one of the things that, you know, I naturally came to this conclusion about Facebook several years ago. I just literally just canned it I, I don't use it at all but my my company uses it they've hijacked my account and you know i have like a lot of well, that's what i was going to say stuff. because you know i mean you're growing very quickly your I podcast know. and your company and right. facebook is a part of that right it is right but it's become and 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 there is a lot of i like everyone i, I send quotes to someone to, that i want to post it but and um, someone will ask a question that like i can only answer and so i'll but i'll respond to someone in one of my staff, I'll, I'll tell them what to say or I'll respond to them in an email, but I refuse to log into it unless it's really important and I have mm. to because yeah. it's just it's just something I don't want to turn into a habit. I don't want it to be part of my daily life. Remember, I was on Dave Astry's podcast. We mentioned him a couple of times, the Bullet, yeah, yeah. Bulletproof yeah. exec, and he was uh, doing something called Snapchat 
you know, testing it out. He's like, are you on Snapchat? I had I'm that. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. like, no, and I, I don't intend to get on Snapchat. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I've got enough things going on. And, yeah. um, and I try like you to, to I'm working hard on limiting my, um, contact with my iPhone, which my eye, everything and, yeah. to, and to really just using that when I need to. And then, like and the other thing that, that really is powerful. And this is something I try to teach in a real mind is, is to make your, your work play, right? And if you can really mm. align and find passion in what you're doing and lighten up your attitude and have more of a one day, one lifetime approach to things, then, then every moment should, you know, not except for crises and dealing with serious situations, every moment can be playful. I learned that from yeah. my, from my Martha. Well, you see, when I think of Navy SEALs, I think of like, you know, totally taking things Deadly. so seriously. There's no sure. room for fun. Yeah, that's not true. When you're on a mission, you know, it's all serious. But even in, you know, if you're not getting shot at, there's a lot of play right. and uh, a lightness about it. And so the, the more evolved you are as, a, as a, a technician and the more you master the skills of being a SEAL, and this is true in any domain, the lighter you can be because you, you, can, you can let go of your yeah. mind clinching to remember the skills, uh, clinching fear over not being able to perform properly. And you just relax. And so yeah, you, you end yeah. up going into that flow state. And in that flow state, you, you, you know, playfulness and the lightness of attitude and humor and spontaneous joy and spontaneous laughter are present all the time. And this is something like my first, um, my first example of this was, um, my, the grandmaster I study karate with. And here is this like deadly serious, you know, 40 year, 10th degree black belt guy. Wow, and, you know, the, yeah. The typical movies of these guys are like these, Really serious ass yeah. kickers, you know? And he was, he would like routinely giggle like a schoolboy, you know, Amazing. in the middle of class. Yeah. And it was just yeah. so, so cool. Now that's awesome. That. That's, that's absolutely great. Yeah. So take the fun with you wherever you go. <laughs> take the fun with you. Yeah. That's, that's what's important. And, uh, a light, and you know, as you said, the, the more that you become comfortable, it's the same with podcasting. The more right. you become comfortable with the skills, right. then you can start to focus on, um, creativity, having fun with it, but also in terms of going in depth with a, with a right. guest and getting the best out of them. And uh, yeah, the more that you do it, the better that you get it. So it mean you should do another podcast in a year's time. It'd be way better than this one. <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> and we'll have said our affirmations a hundred million more times. And, you know, yeah. We could just do a podcast of saying affirmations. <laughs> All right, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right enough on this tony thanks so much where can folks obviously your books are they on amazon and where can folks learn more about what you do yeah books on amazon and the podcast is on itunes spotify everywhere else um it's called zestology, zestology. and uh, yeah we focus on energy vitality and motivation so um awesome. yeah thanks so much mark it's been great to chat to you i've really enjoyed it and I, i've learned lots myself i'm gonna go and look up um qualia now qualia qualia, qualia yeah q-u-a-l-i-a yeah, wow. I'm not sure. I don't think they're, 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 I don't know if you can, like, they're just coming into the market. They're doing early yeah. tests. Um, so I'm not sure you can purchase it, but it'd be very interesting for you to just check out, you know, their, cause they've got detailed mm -hmm. information on the product and they're very open about what they put in it. You know, they're, they're kind of, um, you know, they're, they're coming at this from a, Hey, we need to upgrade human consciousness. And, uh, you know, we've got to, we got to, it's, it's on us all now to be part of the solution because you know, wow. the challenges facing yeah. humanity are extreme and it's going to re require an all-hands effort to solve them. Okay, so and they're not just saying, let's get high. No, 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 <laughs> it's not, no.
Yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm looking forward to looking at um you know I mean because I know there are certain natural supplements that I take on a day to day basis that do improve my focus and sure. my concentration and I can just tell on a day to day basis you know some some days I'm just way better than others right. so um yeah supplementation that can help with that and is specifically designed for that sounds pretty good yeah no doubt. Yeah. Okay, Tony. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, I, look, I look forward thanks to uh, watching what happens with uh, with the UK uh, and the EU and Scotland and Ireland. And <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty depressing. But listen, Mark, you're going to come on my podcast soon as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I look forward to that. Brilliant. Appreciate I'd love that. Everybody. Thanks so much. All right. Brilliant. Take care, buddy. Okay. Take care. Okay, folks. You heard of Tony, right? And that was awesome. What a neat guy. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to go over to London to check things out and. Uh, to uh, go on your your podcast, Tony. What do you think? Would that be definitely? Fun? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're welcome. Come over. <laughs> we can put the campaign for coming back into the EU. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, take care. All right, folks. Uh, thank you very much for paying attention. Once again, go rate the podcast if you like what you hear, uh, so other folks can find it. And as usual, uh, train hard, do your rituals, stay focused, have fun, bring the fun with you, carry it with you wherever you go, and smile. Hoo ya. Commander Divine out. Hey, if you really want to immerse yourself in the SealFit lifestyle, instead of just attending an event, then the SealFit online program is the great thing to check out. The Elite Plus training will give you the tools you need to keep your performance honed and to amp it up in all of the five mounts, physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and your Kokoro spirit. The program is where you find the daily op-wad, on-ramp-wad, masters-wad, and soft-wad Great tips on nutrition, recovery, durability, stamina, all the training exercise videos, other tips, and also premium content from myself and the entire SealFit coaching staff. It really is an amazing program. So supercharge your training by making an annual commitment to the SealFit online program, and specifically the Elite Plus. If you do so, we're going to send you a discount code for $200 off any SealFit event. This offer may end at any time. So go to sealfit.com slash commit. That's sealfit.com slash commit. And discover your peak performance through the SealFit online training community. Lock and load, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UDT. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy. 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 